All right, good evening, everyone. Um, we'll start in the next three minutes. So I'll just use this three minutes to to wait for people to join. And then we will commence what we have for today. And so please, as usual, I would like you guys to let me know in the chat box if I am clear. So um, let me know in the chat box if it's clear. If it's clear, let me know. And then we will commence what we have for today. All right, so I'll just wait like um, two to three minutes and then we start. So please let me know if you can hear me. Okay, okay. All right. So let's just give others like two minutes to join in and then we'll kick off from there. to cover today we have much to cover and i hope we'll have the time to cover those things and um whatever we're not we are not able to cover today we'll just um push it to next week or so right so we'll start in the next one minute and um invite those you want to invite now because i wouldn't want to i want everybody to start from the beginning because it's a progressive teaching and it's very important for you to gain the foundation of whatever it is that we're discussing. So, let those who ought to join, join. All right, so I'm clear. Okay, that's, that's great. Okay, so we'll start in one minute. Enterprise substructures. All right. All right, so I think we are good to go. <clears throat> I think we are good to go, yeah. I think we are good to go. Okay, one more minute. All right, the signals are clear. Thank you very much. Um, one minute, let me just set this up so that we'll just take it from here. Okay. All right, so you guys can hear me, right? All right, beautiful. So um, welcome again to um, a new month. Happy new month, everyone. I would like to um, reconceptualize the purpose of conquering degrees. So really, life is about learning, and learning is more powerful when it's done in a community of people, right? So um, conquering degrees is a mentorship platform, and... It is a place where we, we, we learn things that will give us the advantage in life and in business and in different areas of our lives. So it's called Conquering Degrees because 
in different areas of our lives, there are certain degrees or certain hurdles we must conquer in order to enter into a place of rhythm and rest. Whether it's in your career, in your family, in your personal life, right? So there are certain degrees you must conquer and you start by, you start, you conquer those degrees. How you start conquering these degrees is through knowledge, right? And so it's a mentorship platform. And the truth is you will not get the best out of any platform, any learning platform, if you do not personally commit to learning, right? So Conquering Degrees is a mentorship platform. And and the truth is, most of the things you learn here, let me tell you the truth, right? Most of the things you learn here, people pay heavily to learn it. I'm a training consultant and an executive coach. People pay heavily to learn these things, right? So most of what I give you are things people pay a lot of money to learn. So the only way you, you can pay for this since you're getting it free is to pay attention, right? Pay attention because some of these things will help you. And what I usually tell <clears throat> some of my proteges that are close to me, I tell them, see, most of the things that I teach you in 10 years time, you, 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 you are going to, in five, 10 years time, you will hear it somewhere else. And most likely you paid to learn it somewhere else. And you will remember that ah, GI taught us this thing that year. And then you might not begin to value, value what was being you know, given to you free. Yes, it's human nature. Sometimes we don't value things we get free, you know, but um, if you would um, take most of the things you are learning here seriously, you're going to gain a lot over a period of time, right? You, you get to know things that you would have normally taken you five to ten years to learn. And I'm not joking about it, right? So, <clears throat> all right. So, um, to, uh, this month, we are going to be looking at uh, building enterprises, right? So, what we do is every month we have a particular theme that we focus on, right? So, we started January with the bonsai factor. And the purpose of the bonsai factor is to show us how to conquer limiting beliefs. So if you didn't really follow, I think you should go back to our January teaching and follow it. Because most of these teachings that we are doing are progressive, right? And then in, in February, we talked about building relationships. And we got you know, different people to teach us based on their own experiences, their growth lessons, right? And then this month, we're looking at building enterprises, right? So every month, we have a particular thing that we focus on. And like I usually say, most of these teachings that I do here are not necessarily exhaustive. And what I'm trying to do here is to lay the foundation for most of them because some of them, we are going to revisit them again because it's not enough to learn something and move on to something else. What gives you mastery over a particular subject or a concept is to go over it again and again until you have dexterity in understanding that particular concept and using it or applying it for your own benefit, right? So, so um, what we are going to be doing today is, <clears throat> first of all, I'm going to do an introduction, some sort of, sort of an abstract. I'm going to be laying the foundation for my argument and... It's about enterprises. I know when you hear the word enterprises, you have a particular idea in your mind. So I, I don't want you to have an assumption. This teaching, this teaching is going to go a way you, you did not expect. So, but I like you to follow. And if you want to get the juice out of it, you have to wait till the end because I, I, I saved some of the best for the last. And, you know, I just put it in between. So if you want to gain, 
you're just you're, you're going to have to wait till the end right so i'm going to do an introduction sort of an abstraction you know to lay the foundation for my argument and then we are going to get into the main outline for today we're going to talk about the the, the the five fundamental parts of every business or enterprise we're going to talk about economically viable skills the law of the market core human drives ways to evaluate the market the hidden benefits of competition two rules you must know and then forms of value if there is time and then we'll talk about economic value that is how people judge the value of a thing and then i'll wrap it up with five ways to start building your enterprise right so this is the outline we're going to use for today so i'd like you to just get ready but i'm going to start by laying the foundation of my argument right so i'd like you just give me one minute give me one minute let me just set something up one minute please Thank you. All right, let's go. All right, I hope I'm still clear. All right, so um, a few things to note as we start this session, right? Number one, listen, um, there will be no benefit to you at all in, in this course or in the course of all we're doing in this men on this mentorship platform if all you do is listen once. The truth is that repetition is the father of learning. So if you want to consolidate on some of the things you've learned, you need to listen to a teaching more than once, right? And that is how it's going to benefit you on the long run. Repetition is the father of learning. How do you learn a skill? Or how do you retain knowledge? You keep going over it over and over again, right? And number two, there, there, will, be, there will be no benefit to you at all in this community if you do not document in one place all the things that you're learning. Remember that when we started... Part of the instruction is that you get a particular jotter or a notebook for all our, all of our community activities and the reason and the reason we said that is because documentation is one of the disciplines for success you cannot really go far in any endeavor if you don't learn the discipline of documentation that's the truth right so whether it's your personal goal whether it's business there is always need for documentation right so if you've not done it please i'd like you to do it this coming week go and get a jotter particularly for our community activities document everything that you're learning everything that we've asked you to do do all these things because those things will, will form part of our quarterly reviews like we have our first quarterly review on the 26th of March. That means that we're going to be reviewing all the instructions that we're giving and we're going to be looking at our goals. Did we achieve them? And then find better ways you know, to, to push ourselves to, to, to achieve those goals. And I, I would like, it, I would like to teach you something before I start. There's, there, there, are, there, is, there is how to learn something, right? You know, um, I've discovered in my interaction with people that a lot of people have the willingness, the willingness to learn, but they have issues with how to learn. Now, I'll just give you one way that I learn something. Now, there are two major way ways of learning. There is something that is called objective learning. Now, please let me know if you can still hear me or if the sound is still clear as I talk on the chat box. 
there's something called objective learning with objective learning what you do is you focus on the concept at hand for example if i'm teaching you about business and there is a particular outline that i have to follow to teach you that business with objective learning you focus on the the idea or the concept that is being taught and then you take everything that you learn in that particular course or training program or learning exercise and you begin to apply it to that particular concept for example business right for example business so that is called objective learning you learn based on the objectives of the course but now this is how i learn it's called tactical learning tactical learning tactical right tactical learning. now so this is how tactical learning happens right so let me say i'm learning something about business right i'm learning something about business instead of me to to so first of all i learn the fundamental principles of that particular idea and then i take that principle and see if i can apply it to marriage i take that principle and see if i can apply it to family i take and i say if i can apply it to different fields relationships emotional intelligence finance and if i see that i can apply that principle that principle I learned in the business class, if I can apply that in finance, in re- human relationship, emotional intelligence, family, and different areas, then what I have done is that I have taken one principle and I've seen its application in different fields. That is tactical learning. So what that does is that when it comes to finance, by learning business, I've learned something in finance. By learning business, I've learned something in relationship. By learning business, I've learned something in emotional relationship or, or sorry, emotional intelligence or social intelligence. So I take something that I have learned in a particular area and see if I can apply it or its principle in another area. And when I see I can apply it, then I've learned something across fields. That will save you time and it will save you money. It's called tactical learning. Now, it gets better over time when you begin to practice it. Maybe that's a teaching for another day how to learn tactically, right? And that is how you gain knowledge. So that is why if someone engages me in any field of discourse, I will have something to say. And sometimes it may not be that I've learned something in that particular field, but understanding how those principles work, and I can now see its application in different fields, right? So I want you to use tactical learning for this particular course that we are doing because um, we are talking about enterprise substructures, right? So when, I, when we talk about enterprise substructures, I'm going to be using keywords such as people and enterprises, right? So sometimes I will interchange people with enterprises or enterprises with people, or I will talk about a particular principle and I want you to apply it to both you as a person and your business or any enterprise or any undertaking that you know you choose to undertake right that way you learn more than one thing at once right now let me go ahead with what I, with, with the foundation i'm trying to lay here now what really sets people apart from a crowd is their attitude okay now let me give you an example of this tactical learning so when i said what really sets people apart from the crowd is their attitude now you can replace the word people with business so i can say that what really sets businesses apart from other businesses is their attitude now what what do we mean by attitude here look at this what really sets people apart from the crowd is their attitude now what is their attitude their attitude is their response to life and to the circumstances around them 
the way you respond to life, the way you respond to people, the way you respond to circumstances is what constitutes your attitude. And your attitude is what sets you apart from every other person. Now, this is tactical learning. I can say what really sets businesses apart from other businesses is their attitude. What is their attitude in this case? It is their attitude to their cost. It is their response to their customers and to the circumstances that their, their customers are experiencing as a result of the business activities, right? So you see how tactical learning works here, right? So in general, what sets you apart is your attitude and your attitude is really about your response to life and you cannot really rise above your attitude. Why am I saying this? You, you will get why I'm saying this in this particular teaching. Now, concerning attitude, now pay attention to this. Concerning attitude, now remember that I say, I said that what really sets you apart from a crowd is your attitude. And your attitude is how you respond to life, how you respond to circumstances, right? Now, concerning attitude, now, this is how people develop attitudes, right? So people judge themselves. People judge themselves based on what they don't have. Now, pay attention to this. People judge themselves based on what they don't have. People judge themselves based on who they are not, not who they are. People judge themselves based on who they are not. People judge themselves by what they cannot do. What does that mean? For example, have you ever been in a situation where, for example, you didn't have money to eat? You didn't have cash money, for example, right? Now, you didn't have cash money. You didn't have money in your bank, right? But you had food in your house. Maybe you had food stocked up in your house. You have, wa- you have water. You have food. At least you have light. You've, you, you've bought your, 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 nep- your... You've paid NEPA bill and all that. And there is light. Now, you notice that in those, ki- in those times when you didn't have money, it was as if sometimes... It was as if that the world is crashing down around you because you don't have money in your account. But you fail to realize that I have food to last me for at least a week or two weeks. I have water to drink. I have water to bath. And I have light. So I have most of my basic needs. So you see that what constitutes or what forms people's attitude is focusing on the things they don't have. Instead of focusing, instead of focusing on the things they already have and making use of those things pending when they can solve the other problem. So what really forms your attitude is your focus on things that are not available. Now, there's a reason why I'm saying just pay attention. Now, when it comes to when people feel inadequate, when people feel that they are not worth anything, when people feel that they don't have value or they don't have worth, most times it is because they are focusing on what they don't have. They are focusing on who they are not. They are focusing on what they cannot do. And most times, they judge it relative to somebody else who is doing something better, in quote. So we see that people go about with this feeling of inadequacy because they are focusing mainly on the things that they don't have. And by focusing on the things that they do not have, they lose sight of the real value that they have as a person. So our attitude is usually fixed by our perception of what is absent in us. Not necessarily what is present, but insufficient. So we focus on the things that we are not, the things that we do not have. And when this thing happens, we begin to lose sight of the fundamental substructure of our 
of our being, which is value, intrinsic worth. And this is why in this course, I'll be focusing, I'll be focusing mainly on one major enterprise substructure, and that is value. Both personal value and business value. Just follow, follow this. Follow this, right? So what this inadequacy does to us is it makes us focus on what is not available, what is not working. Instead of taking stock of the things that are working in your life, instead of taking stock of the things that are working, we focus so much on the things that are not working. It applies to relationships. It applies to businesses, right? So you focus on things that are not working in your relationship. You focus on things that are not working in your personal life, in your workplace, in your career, in your business. You focus on those, thing, those things so much that you lose sight of the value that is already available that you can use and transform that value into more value. So you see that one of the reasons why people really fail in life and business is, is because of the inability to articulate their value. The inability to in articulate properly articulate your value. You know, being able to articulate your value is a skill. N- n- let me let me tell let me tell you why I said this. Is it is most people don't know how to write their CV. That means now they don't know how to articulate the value they have acquired over the course of their career. So somebody who now knows how to articulate value can write a CV for them and get paid for it. So you see that the problem is really about the perception of value, perception of personal value, and perception of value that you can trade and that, and that can become a business or a successful enterprise. Now, I'll get into all that, right? Just follow my conversation. And another thing I want to talk about, which was not really, before I get into what I have for today, which was not really in, in you know, my original intention, is to talk about a learning mindset. See, one thing I've realized, you know, interacting with a lot of young people in this age is that most, some, let me not say most, some of the some, some of the young people that I've encountered now, some of them have the a, a right, the right attitude, but some of them have the wrong learning mindset. It's like everybody wants a quick fix. Now, for example, we are seventy on this mentorship group, and and it's only eighteen people that are here. Now, I know there are people who can't attend because of one thing or the other, but but. You can tell by the number of people that go back to listen to this. And what that tells me is this, that not a lot of people value learning. And I mean that learning where you have to sit down, listen and learn. You know, people instead, they want a quick fix. They want to get make it fast. That's why a lot of young people, for example, are getting into diabolical stuff just so that they can make money very fast. And that is because... A lot of people have refused to embrace a learning mindset. Now, what a learning mindset does to you is that it puts you in a position where you can learn from any circumstance. And one of the, one of the things I will always thank God for that I learned from my late father is the love for knowledge. At a very young age, you know, that age when all we knew how to do was play, eat and sleep. I always noticed that my father was always reading. And I was, I repeatedly, I saw him, you know, read. And he would go to work in the morning, come back, and he would still have time to read in his library. And so over time, I became curious. I was like, what, why is this man, what is this man reading? And then from there, I, 
I embraced that reading culture because I saw my father reading. And some of, well, some of the, I, so what I do is I go to his library, pick some books and start reading. Well, most of them, I didn't really understand what I was reading, but I started cultivating the habit of taking a book, sitting down for long hours and reading. And then the thing got into me. And one of the things that did to me is that it opened my mind and it structured my mindset in such a way that I'm always looking for an opportunity to learn. And I'm always looking for how to learn something, the opportunity to learn in whatever situation I find myself. So whenever I make mistakes in life or in business, I'm asking myself, what can I learn from this? Now, this is something that you may not learn in some business schools. And that learning mindset is what in some circles is is referred to as humility. The ability to know that you don't know everything and that that knowledge you are looking for could be around you. It could could come in a form that you may not even appreciate that you may despise. And if you don't have that mindset, you are going to miss out on the information. A lot of people in this community, let me tell you, that knowledge you are looking for is in this community. But because maybe you ignore community activities, you may not even really gain it. And I know people, I'm, I mean, this is personal, uh, you know, personal feedback people have given me. I know what people have gained by being in this community, right? Having that learning mindset. Listen, one of the substructures of any enterprise is having a learning mindset. And you develop a learning mindset by actually sitting down to learn over time until it becomes a habit. Yes, over time, until it becomes a habit. So I'm saying this because, listen, if you, don't, if, you don't know, if you don't know how to sit down, right, and do an evaluation of yourself and tell yourself, listen, this is where I'm going in life. This is where I'm going in my personal journey or my business journey. And tell yourself, these are things I know and these are things I do not know. And then seek out ways to acquire that knowledge. If you don't have that learning mindset, if all you have is a quick fix, quick, quick fix, your whatever you achieve is going to be short-lived because whatever you do not learn through a process and you cannot replicate every time you will lose it in a matter of time so for example if you if you earn one million without knowing how you earned it you won't be able to repeat that process to to get the same outcome right so one thing a a learning mindset does for you is that it it puts you in a position where you can number one evaluate yourself and find ways to acquire more value to yourself, right? So having said this, let us get into what we have for today. So I want you to have a learning mindset. Keep an open mind as we go on this learning journey, right? So keep an open mind. And remember to apply the tactical learning method that I talked about, right? So as I, as I speak about people, apply it to business. As I speak about business, apply it to people. As I speak about... Um, Emotional intelligence applied to social intelligence. As I'm talking about things, find ways to connect it to other things so that you learn more than one thing in, in just this session. That's how tactical learning works. Right, all right, so, so let's get into definitions here. Right, so what is an enterprise? Let's start. What is an enterprise? An enterprise is... So when you hear enterprise, I know what usually comes to our mind is business. Well, business is an enterprise, Right? But it is just one example of what an enterprise is. So what is an enterprise? An enterprise is an undertaking. Any undertaking at all, right? Any project that you undertake for any spectrum or range of reasons. 
An enterprise is a project you undertake for any range of reasons with a specific or a desired outcome in mind. An example of what an enterprise is, is a business. Business is an enterprise. Marriage is an enterprise. Building a family is an enterprise. Registering an NGO is an enterprise. Uh, you know, choosing a career pathway is an enterprise. Enrolling in a training program is an enterprise. So an enterprise is any undertaking. Although I'm going to narrow it down as we go to businesses specifically, right? But you can take what you've learned here today to apply it to any enterprise. And I'm going to try as much as possible to touch on, you know, those different areas. So if I'm still clear, please let me know. So an enterprise is an undertaking, right? Any project you undertake for any reason, for any range of reasons with a desired outcome in mind. And so usually for an enterprise, there is usually something to be gained at the end of it. Now, there is a reason you do it and there is usually something you gain at the end of it. Now, for the lack of a better word, now to use a word we all know, that thing that is gained can be referred to as profit. Now, what is profit? Profit is a desired return for an effort expended, right? So a, a desired return for an effort you put in, that is what profit is right so profit so when you hear profit don't just think of money profits can be money profits can be love profits can be acceptance profits can be better relationships profits can be social power or influence profits can be assets of any kind so when we talk about profit not it is not necessarily money money is just one form of profit if you if if you embark on a social enterprise and it gives you social power or social influence that influence you got as a result of that undertaking is profit so an enterprise is any undertaking right for any range of reasons with a desired outcome you know and there's usually something to be gained and that thing that is gained can be referred to as profit profit is not only money profits can be anything any asset of any kind Right, so the profit is the outcome, not necessarily the purpose. Profit is the outcome, not necessarily the purpose. Now, I know a lot of businesses get into business for the purpose of profit. Now, profit can be a purpose, or it can be an outcome, or it can be both. And remember that profit is not just money, there are many other things that you can classify as, as profit depending on the kind of enterprise you are undertaking for example somebody can decide to undertake undertake a marriage enterprise for the purpose of for the for the purpose of companionship and the profits they get out of it is love acceptance and sometimes money wealth right depending on how you marry some people marry for for the reason of you know um cash money profit yes it's called hypergamy right people marry because they want to you know they are called social climbers right they want to climb to a particular social status and so they marry for that reason right so an enterprise is any undertaking or any project you undertake for any range of reasons you know with a desired outcome in mind you know and that outcome you can refer to it as profit and profit is not necessarily money profit is or can also be any asset of any kind including social power relationship love acceptance right so moving on what is a substructure a substructure is an underlying support or a supporting structure sometimes it is unseen 
right? So enterprise substructures, simply what we are talking about today as enterprise substructures are those things, those those almost unseen or imperceptible things that support any enterprise without which those enterprises will not stand. So we are looking at the things that are supporting structures to any enterprise you want to undertake, right? Now, there are many substructures, but I'm going to be focusing on one or two for this month. One or two. One mostly. And if there is time, we'll look at the other one, right? So what substructure are we going to be looking at? We're going to be looking at value and we're going to be looking at people as enterprise substructures. And I'd like you to follow this conversation, right? So let, let's, let's do a little abstraction or conception of what value is, right? Value. Okay, so I'm going to be using some keywords you know, and I'm going to be exp- I'm going to be using those keywords to explain what value means, and then we'll take it from there. So the keywords I'm going to be looking at is value and honor. So I'm going to be using honor and value interchangeably, and I'm going to explain it. <clears throat> I'm going to be talking about value honor. I'm going to be talking about shame, and what is called the external eye or perceived value. And I'm going to be talking about community mindset, and I'm going to be summarizing it into one statement that will push us further into into this discourse, right? So let me start with honor stroke value. So I'm going to be using honor and value interchangeably to explain what I mean. So follow this conversation, right? We are still on enterprise substructures. Now, most times when we are looking at a particular concept, one of the reasons why we use, why we look at the Greek definition or maybe the Hebrew definition, especially Greek definition is that you know, in Greece, you know, the Greeks had the ability to, to take a concept and define it at different levels of, of abstraction or application. For example, in English, when you say the word love, you can say, I love my car and you can say, I love my wife, but they don't mean the same thing. In terms of degree and intensity and application, they don't mean the same thing. So one thing that the Greek language does for us is that it helps us delineate those words based on its applications. So for example, in Greek, the word love has like four different you know, definitions depending on its application, right? So I'm going to I'm going to use the Greek definition of honor stroke value to explain what value means in this context and how it applies to you as a person and as someone who wants to undertake an enterprise whether a business or whatever especially a business right so in the original greek right the greek word for honor means worth or value so that's why i'm interchanging value and worth so the greek word is worth or value and that word worth or value they mean it in a literal sense not in a figurative sense, in a literal sense. So in the Greek, in the Greek, honor means worth in a literal sense or value, in a literal sense. And what does it mean in a literal sense? It means the weight of something. Let me give you an example. So in the Greek, when somebody talks about honor or the value of a thing, they are talking about the weight of that thing. For example, when you want to talk about the value of let me say rice, for example. In fact, I think it's also applicable in, today, in today's world. 
Now, the value of rice is dependent on the kg of that rice. So, a 50 kg rice is not the same value or worth as an 80 kg rice. Do you get this? So, the word honor or value talks about weight, the weight of a thing. So, for example, when you say talent, talent talks about the measure. So, for example, if you talk about gold, what is the value of this gold? The value of the gold is in the kg, the weight of the gold. So, for example, if you have a 10, a 10 kg gold and you have a 100 kg gold, it is the same commodity. But the 100 kg gold is worth more than the 10 kg gold. Why? Because one is heavier than the other. So when we talk about value, we're talking about weight. Are you getting this? So now, now that you've understood what value is, value means weight. Value means honor. It means the weight attached to a thing, the weight of a thing. Now, follow me. So, how do we apply this concept of value as weight when it comes to people or businesses? Now, in Greek, in the ancient Greek, we're still talking about Greek, right? When you talk about weight in terms of people now, we're talking about weight or value in terms of people. This weight is judged by, was judged by a culturally constructed evaluation of the person's actions let me say it again when when they say that somebody is valuable it means that the person's actions or activities carry weight and that the weight of their actions determine how worthy they are especially when those actions are positive actions that are executed from a standpoint of a strength or a skill they have. Let me give you an example. Now, in a race between 10 people, right? And, you know, they start the race. At the end of the race, they usually classify, classify them based on worth. Now, the, the, the one who comes first is the most valuable. The one who comes second is the second most valuable. And the the person who comes third is the third most valuable. Why? Because of the weight of their actions. Now, the person who came first was able to conquer whatever hurdles they had to conquer. Pre-training and on the field in order to accomplish a particular task. To accomplish a particular action in in a certain way. So... The, so, so now the community comes together to judge and say this person's actions are valuable. On what ground is that action judged? Now that action is judged based on how that action impacts the community. I hope you are getting this. So that means that in ancient Greece, you are valuable to the degree that your actions affect the community positively so value simply means your weight your what based on how your actions or your activities make the life of the people around you better you are not valuable 
it, when we when we when we think about this with the with ancient with the thought of ancient Greece, right? You are not valuable because you have fine hair. You are not valuable because you are fair or because you are dark. <laughs> you are not valuable because you are tall or you are short. In ancient Greek in, in ancient Greek thought, you are valuable because your actions positively impact the community that you live in. In what way? Your actions make the life of people better. Or your actions set a standard of honorable behavior in a community of people. That is how you are judged worthy or valuable. So there was really no focus on the external. The focus was really on the character of the man as seen by his actions. And I'm stressing this for a reason. And I'm taking it this way for a reason. Because if we don't understand this, this teaching will not make sense. So your value is your weight and your weight is judged by your actions. How? Those actions are judged by how they make the lives of people better. So for example, if you enter into a conversation with someone, how does that conversation add value, make the life of that person better? If it makes the life of that person better, you are judged valuable. So, based on their worth, or based on this thing they've done that made the community better, the community now, now attaches a price or a value to that person. So that means, let me tell you the truth. The community around you places a value on you based on how your actions positively impact them. In other words, your actions as a person or your activities as a business forms the basis for judging your value in the community of human beings. So, when, if so, what, so listen, <laughs> what makes your business valuable is that your business activities is, are making the lives of people better than it was. That's what makes your business valuable. What makes you valuable as a person is that your actions is setting a standard for honorable living or honorable behavior in the community or is making the life of someone better, right? So this is what value means. This is what value represents. So what does that mean? That means that anybody can become valuable within the community of men. Now, the way God judges value is different. We'll get to that. But within the community of men, your value is judged by how your life makes the life of people better. Now, if your life does not make the life of people better, it makes the life of people worse, you are devalued. If your business does not add to people, it takes away from them without adding, your business is devalued. So the valuation of a business is really about how many people it makes their lives better. So we see that a major substructure of any enterprise, whether it's marriage, see, listen, let me tell you this now. You, th- <laughs> you think that marriage is based on, in quotes, love now. I'm using the word in quotes, love, because when I say in quotes, love, I'm talking about the bastardized definition of love. But the truth is, 
that love is value. In fact, love is the transformation of value. If I have time, I will get into it. But this session is not about love. But love is really about the transformation of value. I won't have time to get into it. But love is about value. So listen, that marriage that is surviving, is surviving because there is value exchange happening. Listen, no relationship can survive without a value exchange. Whether it's a business relationship, whether it's an intimate relationship, whether it's friendship, platonic, whatever kind of relationship it is, it is hinged on the principle of value exchange. No enterprise is, va- is, is worthwhile without value exchange. The truth is, there is a prize, like I said, attached to everyone as long as the community is involved. Some people are more valuable than the others. There's something I call the value chain. In every community of people, there are some that are more valuable than others. And now, sometimes, it is based on what the community judges as valuable. So, for example, in a school system where everybody wants to pass, the the most intelligent person in the class is considered more valuable than the rest. He may not be the richest, but based on the community need at the time, the person that is more intelligent is more valuable. And that's why you see during exams, they gravitate towards him. And that shows you a principle of life. People will always gravitate towards value. As long as you are solving a problem for them at the time, you are valuable. Oh, we've even gone 45 minutes and I've not even started. God help me. All right, so let me move on. Let me move on. Let me move on. Next week, we'll continue some of these things. Now, the only person, listen, listen to this so that you don't get offended when people don't value you you know, based on your the based on how you perceive yourself. The truth is, people can only see what you show them. Listen, okay, think about it as a business. You might have something valuable to offer. If people don't see it, they won't patronize you. So there's something called perceived value. If I have time, I'll talk about it and then talk about how you can help people see your value, how, how you can help people perceive your value. Right? The only person who fixes your value based on who he is is God. Humans will judge you based on what you do. It's best you deal with it and act accordingly. But God, based, God imparts value to you based on who he is and based, your belief, based on your belief on his son. But people will judge you based on what they see you do. This is why there is a concept known as what perceived value. If I have time, I will talk about perceived value. Right? So, honor can work in... There's a way that honor works, right? So, it it can start from maybe a feeling that you have on your inside as a result of your perceived worth of yourself. You know, you have this feeling that you are worthwhile and then that feeling begins to manifest as actions and people on the outside see those actions and they love it because it benefits them and then they will confer honor or respect on you. Now, the other way it works is for some reason, people around you may just feel a positive emotion towards you. They just like you, right? Either about you or your business. Maybe they just like you for some reason. And then they project that feeling of respect or honor on you, right? At the root of all this is actions and activities, right? So, And this is how brands become more valuable or influential. See, if you see any brand that is influential or any person that is influential, it's because people rallied around them 
and consider and give that honor or respect to them based on their actions or activities or something that they did or is or are doing that is adding value to the people around whether as a business or a person you see and why because humans naturally seek to put put people or businesses on a higher pedestal when they perceive that that person or, or that business is worth it based on their actions or based on their activities especially if those actions and activities what benefit the community at large so somebody will see you as valuable when your actions benefit them people will see your business as valuable when what you are selling either the product or the service you are selling is meeting a need we'll get to that so as long as they see you as valuable then people will gravitate towards you see this is how the world works let me run let me run i don't have time so there are two kinds of honor ah, of value now there is value that is ascribed there is people can ascribe value to you okay let me let me explain this right how as, ascribed value works now for ascribed value you don't obtain it based on something you did it is usually maybe sometimes in this case it could be maybe because you are born into a wealthy family for example, anybody born into the Dangote family, the society automatically ascribes value to them because they carry the Dangote name, right? So either by virtue of the family you belong to and how well that family is, that person, you know, receives that the inherent value of the family he was born into. Another example is like in the Christian faith. When you come into the Christian faith, the honor that is on Jesus comes on you, not because of something you did, but because of what Jesus did on your behalf. Right? Another example of ascribed honor is firstborn sons. They are naturally ascribed more honor than the second and the third. Not by their action, but by reason of their position in that family. Right? Although in some families, you can see the reverse case. And this is due to the second kind of honor. The second kind of honor is achieved value or achieved honor. So, you can earn value through conquest in the olden days you can earn value more value to your name by military conquest or maybe in these days you can earn value by public performances or by beating a record that has been set or maybe by political actions or by social reforms or social behavior so for example you find that most of the influencers who were at the forefront of you know the the october 20 2020 rally are in fact, they are influential. They are even more influential and more valuable in the society now because they said they put their lives on the line. They carried out the political action that benefited every other person. So everybody has now ascribed honor to them. That is how life works. Life functions based on value. Now it is also possible to lose value. Yes, you can run out of value. It is possible. Value is a finite commodity. And that is why you must, you must intelligently manage your value so that you sustain it over, the, over your lifetime or over the life cycle of your business. Now, there are different technicalities that we won't get into, right, on how to sustain the value of your business over the, your business life cycle. That's not what we're talking about today. I'm trying to just lay the foundation or show you what the substructure of every enterprise is. Whether it's marriage, even in marriage, if you know how to intelligently manage your value, your spouse 
will keep honoring you and respecting you. In fact, the truth is, the reason why a lot of people get away with some nonsense is because we have to, you know, obey the word of God that says, honor your spouse and things like that. If it is not for that, a lot of people would have left their marriages because at some point, you know, the spouses begin to act in a certain way that can make them lose honor. You can lose value. You can lose honor in the sight of people. But in the sight of God, you may not necessarily lose it because the value you have is not based on you. It's based on him. But in human relationships, you can lose value. And so if you begin to act in a certain way, remember that the value people ascribe to you are based on how your actions benefit them. So in a marriage, if you're no longer doing those things that benefit them, the value in your in their eyes will begin to reduce. Now, that is a talk for another day. This is not a marriage seminar, right? So, But you can lose value. So it's possible, right? So sometimes if someone achieves value in a particular sphere, it's possible for them to lose it. And whenever somebody loses value, another person has gained it. That is the way the world works. See, whenever somebody loses value, another person has gained it. For example, in, in I don't watch boxing, right? But if the, the current world champion, somebody wins him, the, the person who won him becomes the most valuable person in boxing. And that means that somebody lost it. So that thing that you gained, somebody lost it. In the world of human beings, somebody lost it. Because why? Sorry, because value moves. It doesn't stay one place. If you don't have what it takes to sustain value, and wealth behaves like that. If you don't know how to sustain wealth, it will move to somebody who will sustain it. I usually teach my protégés. I tell them that wealth behaves like a woman. If you don't know how to maintain it, even if, you don't, even if she doesn't leave you physically, she will leave you emotionally. Because wealth women and value they behave the same way they are all feminine in nature if <laughs> no comments no further comments let me leave it at this before i cause trouble right so if you understand what i just said you will understand how the world works and you will stop being upset about consequences consequences are a law of life right so what, you would, what it will now help you do is you begin to take responsibility for the administration and management of your value as a person or as a business. And that is why, you know, you know um, most companies have a PR department, right, who manage, you know, who manage the public image of their company so that if anything goes wrong, they can manage it so that the value of that business in the public remains intact. The same it is with your personal life, right? Right? So, this is why, um, for, for example, for a business, customer service is very important. Because it's truly about sustaining your value by how you treat people. Because people will always talk about businesses. People will always talk about people. Right? So, if your business or you as a person, you don't treat people right, your value will begin to dwindle. So, if you don't understand that value and the way you treat people is a, stru- is a substructure of every enterprise whether as a business or a marriage or NGO or family or church, or whatever it is that you are building, if you don't know how to create, generate, and deliver value and treat people right, you will lose your value over time and people will stop patronizing you. So at the substructure of every enterprise is value, is value exchange and people management. I won't have time to talk about people management today. I don't know when I'll have the time. Right, so but let, let's see how far we can cover. I've not even started, and it's 55 minutes already. I have to run. Okay, so let me talk a little bit about shame 
and the external eye see because shame is the removal of honor or value right so whenever value is taken from you there is the result is shame right and what that suggests now listen this is important shame suggests that there is something called the external eye or public view or public opinion right so shame comes when the the external eye or the public removes the value they've they've bequeathed to you so what does it mean to be shameless shamelessness well to be shameless it can either be positive or negative right but the positive aspect of shame of being shameless is that you know you act maybe you are executing something good you are executing good actions with total disregard of how the community views what you are doing especially when it is toxic you know to to regard the community right so so within the positive aspect shamelessness is at the root of your ability to sell anything if you are not shameless you will not be able to sell your product you will not be able to sell your services you will not even be able to sell your value so the concept here is that for you to be able to put out your value there put out your product you need to be shameless what does shameless mean you disregard public opinion now in some cases it's good to disregard public opinion in some cases it's not right but when it comes to enterprises or building businesses you need to be shameless because your ability to sell your value or to help people perceive your value is at the root of doing any business right so so I said that to act with shame or shyness is simply, you know, to be aware of, you know, public view of you. And sometimes it's not a good thing. Sometimes it's a good thing. And sometimes it can limit you. It depends on, you know, the polarity of that shame. Right? So let me run fast. We don't have time. Let me run fast. Let me see how far I can cover in the next 30 minutes. Right? So all that I have said, I'm just trying to introduce this course. All that I have said applies to people and enterprises what do i mean by enterprises businesses families marriages any undertaking that involves a community of people all that i have said applies to it so let me summarize my introduction by saying this number one value runs the world if you don't get anything from what i've said in this my introduction write this down value runs the world and number two we trade value every day in your marriage in your business in your relationships in your family value is being traded people are moving up and down the value chain up and down the value chain up and down the value chain that's how stocks are rising and falling every day why because people are trading value now your value is based on your actions especially in the areas of your strength or in the areas where you have skill or in areas where you have dexterity and how you apply them to benefit people around you or the world around you right and true value is just by how it benefits people or a community around you right so that said i'm rushing that said people management and value exchange is or are major enterprise substructures if you don't get this you won't get any other thing we're we're going to discuss in this in this so what this shows is that knowing how to create and deliver value 
is necessary for the survival of any enterprise. And two, knowing how to relate with people will affect your enterprise greatly. In fact, amongst many other things, your revenue in your business is a reflection of your social intelligence, of your people skills. Yes. And your profit, because your revenue and your profit is not the same thing. Your profit is a reflection of your emotional intelligence. Especially if you're the decision maker. I tell people, your finances answer to your emotions more than it answers to your head. If you're not emotionally intelligent, you wouldn't know how to manage money. That's a talk for another day. And this applies to your personal life, your marriage, your family. If you're not an emotionally intelligent person, you cannot build family wealth. One thing you will see about wealthy people is that they are frugal. Frugal and stingy is not the same thing. Frugal means to be modest. Now, wealthy people are not selfish. They are just frugal. And it has to do with money management. And if you want to manage money well, you have to be an impersonal person. As in, you don't get stunned by emotional blackmail and things like that. That's, that's tough for another day, right? So, so, in fact, one of the ways you evaluate, you know, the cumulative people skills of any company is to check every year how, how, much, how much deviation, you know, the standard deviation from their sales target, right? So, if they meet their sales target or exceed, it can say a lot about their people skills, right? Because your ability to close sales is a reflection of your people skills and your persuasion skills now generating leads may not necessarily reveal to reveal you know your people skills in you know in, in, in when you consider it using a weighted average right but your ability to close sales is a reflection of your people and persuasion skills so that is why for every enterprise people skills will always be rewarded now let's get into the topic for today. Now, having said all that I have said, let so we are going to be talking about value creation. Let's see how much you can cover in the next 30 minutes. Let's talk about value creation. Remember that I said that the two major substructures that I want to handle is value creation and value exchange and then people management. So we are going to focus on value. Are you following so far? Are you following so far? Let me know. Everywhere is silent. Just let me know. Are you are you following me? Am I still clear? Is what I explained. I hope it's clear. Okay, let me just go on. We don't have time. Now, I want you to take note of the following. Now, one of the most valuable things on earth, please pay attention to this, is because your ability to see what others do not see will, will help you in business. It will help you in life. It will help you in any enterprise you're undertaking. Right? It will help you in any enterprise that you are taking, right? One of the most valuable things on earth is an unmet need that can be met. <laughs> One of the most valuable things on earth is an unmet need that can be met. Do you know why sex workers thrive? It is because sex is a fundamental need. Sorry, I mean, if you are too religious and you don't like hearing things like this, I'm sorry. But the reason why you always need doctors and sex <laughs> sex workers, <laughs> although that's not supposed. I mean, if this if this was a church service, I won't say the way I'm saying it. But it is a business class, right? 
sex workers will always strive because sex is a need and is mostly an unmet need and doctors will always be needed because people fall sick and sex workers need to make sure they don't have diseases now this is an example of an unmet need that can be met so one of the most valuable things in life is an unmet need if you know how to discover people's unmet need you've just discovered the gold mine if you find something you can fix for a lot of people you will make a lot of money if you want people to focus on you you make something they want or they need a lot of businesses that don't thrive is they try to create a product or a service that people don't need people will always focus on the things that they want or they need so if you want to make a lot of money you need to focus on what people already want right or when you create something you have to have a badass marketing to convince them that they need it talk for another day right so every successful enterprise creates something of value so when we say value it means that it is it is an unmet need that can be met something of value means that you found something that people want or need desperately or urgently and then you provided a solution to it right so every successful enterprise creates something of value now the value now listen to this the value that you create can take many forms in fact there are there are 12 major forms of value that we are going to share in this course maybe not today there are 12 major forms of value but the value you create can take many forms but at the foundation of it is this if that thing makes someone's life a bit better than it currently is then it is valuable remember how i started talking about value talking about weight talking about measure right if that product or service that you're offering makes the life of a person a bit better it gives them more ease more peace you know less stress you know solving their problems if it does that then then that business can survive right so without value or value exchange a business cannot exist right you can only do transactions when you have something valuable to trade and remember that you judge value based on how it makes the life of somebody else a bit better right so most successful inter enterprises what they do is that they create the most value for other people right so having said this let's get into a business so what is a business what is a business is because you need to know what is at the foundation of a business to call that thing you are doing a business if your business does not pass these five tests it is not a business it is just something else maybe you are just self-employed being self-employed and running a business is not the same thing being self-employed means you have a skill that you can service and you earn money for it but if that thing you are doing does not pass these five tests i'm about to show you it is not a business so what is a business now let me say this a process you cannot repeat with the same outcome is not viable a process you cannot repeat with the same outcome is not viable so what is a business a business is a repeatable process now take note of that if you cannot repeat the process it is not the business if you do it once so for example 
if I go to an Apple store and I buy a laptop and after two weeks I decide I don't want it again and I, 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 I go to the black market and look for somebody to sell it to and I get money from it, was it a business? No. Because I just did it once. But a business consists, consists of processes that can be repeated over and over again that produces you know, results at the end of the day, right? So what is a business? Write this down. A business is a repeatable process, a repeatable process that does five things, five major things. Now, there are other things, but these are the five major things without which you cannot call that thing a business, a business enterprise, right? So a business is a repeatable process that creates and delivers something of value. One. Two, that other people want or need. Keyword, want or need. Three, at a price they are willing to pay. In a way, four, in a way that satisfies the customer's needs or expectations. Five, so that the business will make enough profit to justify its existence for continued operations. So let me take you one. So a business is a repeatable process that creates and delivers something of value that people want or need at a price they are willing to pay in a way that, that you deliver it in a way that satisfies customers' needs or expectations so that the business can make enough profit to justify its existence for continued operations. Right? So that means that business is a repeatable process. So let's classify, let's give let's classify these five things into broad headings right so that means that the first one to create and deliver something of value is classified under value creation the second one that other people want and need is classified under marketing or marketing however you want to pronounce it the third one at a price they are willing to pay is called sales the fourth one, in a way that satisfies, to deliver it in a way that satisfies customer, customer needs is called value delivery and or customer service. And then so that the business makes enough profit, that's called finance. So that means that a business is a repeatable process of value creation, marketing, sales, value delivery through customer service, and finance through profit. If your business lacks any of these fundamental parts, it is not a business. So if, you, if, the, if that thing you are doing does not create value, it's just a hobby. If that thing you are doing does not get people's attention, it will flop. If that thing you are doing does not make profit, it's a non-profit. If that thing you are doing does not meet customer expectations and needs, it's scam. Yes, that's what scam is. And if it does, if it does not make profit, it will close down, right? So the focus here is value creation, marketing, sales, value delivery, customer service, and finance, right? So if your business does not repeat this process, these activities on a daily basis, you can't really call it a business. And these are the p major pillars, you know, that supports any business, right? Now, now, let me move forward because we're talking about building enterprises with focus on building business enterprises. Now, let me also say something for those of you who are pursuing a career. Now, listen to me, right? There's something that is called economically viable skills. Now, for example, you can have a skill, but that skill is not economically viable. That means that that skill cannot make you money. For example, you may know how to row a boat, 
but it may not necessarily make money out of it because what is the demand for people that row boats now they are speed boats right right so so the, the the idea of economically viable skills is that that skill you have is on demand and that skill can make you money when you deploy it right so if you want to improve your value as a person as a career person or as a business person focus on developing and improving skills that are related to these five parts i just mentioned listen if you want to succeed in career or as a business person the major areas you should acquire skills is in the area of value creation marketing sales customer service or finance if you can develop your skills around this area you will always be needed you will always be valuable these are this is what is called economically viable skills skills that can make you money so most people go and acquire skills that are not economically viable no it's not on demand nobody needs it right yes i yes you can acquire a skill that you can just use as a hobby but if you are, if you are talking about making profit or making money you must focus on developing skills around these five fundamental parts of business value creation you must learn how to do design thinking you must learn how to do marketing or marketing strategy you can you must learn how to sell you must learn how to do customer service and finance and especially as a business owner you must learn all of them or at least partner with somebody who knows it some skills are just good for enjoyment or relaxation right except you employ a high level strategy to convert it into a skill that can earn you money and that will require training or coaching you know to take that hobby and turn it into a pain pain skill now is different right so for example climbing a mountain is a skill but nobody will pay you mountain sorry nobody will pay you money to climb a mountain right except for just for on a random day a cat lover lost their cat to the mountain maybe their cat just wandered away and climbed the mountain and they pay you to bring the cat down it's still not a viable business except you can establish through market research that cats love to climb mountains and they, they don't want to come down on a weekly basis or on a monthly basis and then you can now prepare a business proposition around um uh, rescuing cats from climbing mountains right so if that skill cannot bring you money on a daily weekly monthly basis or if it's not on demand then it's not really a skill you should consider especially when if you want to make profit right so any skill or knowledge that helps you create value any skill or knowledge that helps you market value, sell value, deliver value, or manage finances are, econ are economically viable skills, right? So as a business person, as you are thinking of starting that business, you must look at these five areas. Which area do I have a skill around? Or do I have partnerships with people who have skills in this area? Another thing I must note here is that if you're a selfish person, you can't run a business successfully because you won't know how and when to collaborate with people because you, you can't know everything. Do you understand? You can't know everything. Now, you can learn a lot. And even if you know everything, you can't do everything at the same time, right? So, so but as a business owner, you must at least learn those fundamental skills. Uh, even if you will not use them, but at least know how it works, so that when you start having conversations about them, you can also, you know, contribute as a business owner. So as a business owner, you must know, you must try as much as possible to know. If you want to be an exceptional business leader, you must know everything the people in your team knows, right? Or at least 
be willing to learn about it. Right? Great. So, those are economically viable skills. And the thing about those skills is that even if you don't use it in running your own business, you can make money from it. So, for example, I, 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 I earn money sometimes helping people manage their finances. So, that's a, a, that's a skill under finances or managing finances, right? Although your close friends may bully you to, to give them free advice, especially when, when they know you have a skill in a particular area. But really, you can, you can earn money from even helping people manage, sorry, manage their finances. I, I earn money from doing that. Do you understand? So, these skills, even when you're not using it in your own personal business, it, it can form a source of income for you. For example, I had a friend, I have a friend who works in Wemar Bank, right? And, you know, she knows I'm good with strategy and, you know, design thinking and value creation. So one day she called me up and said that her bank, she works with Wemar Bank, you know, that her bank gave her an assignment you know, to come up with a, a new strategy for, and that she just, she called me to get some ideas. I said, this thing you're asking me for, I charge people to do it. That if you want me to do it, you have to pay for it. I, I noticed that she got upset and she just okay ended the call and all that. So sometimes your friends want to bully you, you know, to get free advice for a skill that you, I mean, you labor to get, you know. But the, the, the point is that if you know how to, you know, you know, if you know how to present this value that you have, you can turn it into earning power for you, right? So one of the benefits is that as you are learning these skills as a business person, even when you are not applying it in your business, you can use it, you know, for other streams of income, right? As long as your friends don't bully you, you know, to keep, you know, using your skills without paying, right? And let me say, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad not to pay for stuff. It's very good to pay for stuff, except they offered you for free. But it's, it's bad to always ask people for free stuff, especially when you can pay for it. It's not really good. If the world is run like that, the world is doomed, right? The world survives on value exchange. So learn how to pay for some of the skills that you have now so even if you don't if you cannot pay for it learn how to offer value back to those people see whether it's a marriage relationship don't say hey, because you love me i love you no learn how to give back value whether it's in a business relationship in a marriage relationship sometimes people give you things that are worth millions in advice or strategy and you know sometimes you feel entitled to it because they are your friends or they are lover but sometimes learn how to value or give back or at least appreciate that value that is how the world works because if there is no value exchange this world cannot survive the world is based on value exchange right see this, this is the top another day and see this is one mindset a lot of people have and i've seen it with a lot of people i mentor you know they come around you know they want so they want so much value and they feel so entitled to it you know and you know they don't know how to give back value you know, and, not, and sometimes, of course, you offer those things free, but a sensible person will know how to give back value and be happy to do it. For example, in this community, I, I tell people, see, listen, some of these things that I'm hearing now cost a lot of money to learn. In some circles, I charge executives to train and all that. But I'm giving you this thing free. And I tell people, the least you can do in a community like this is pay attention. You're not paying money for most of these things, but you can pay attention. Now, that is also giving back value because you are saying that you value what this person is teaching you and so i'm paying attention in fact the greatest value you can give to a coach or a mentor who is doing it to you for free is to take those things they've taught you and actually practice it and become a better person yes when value 
transforms into another form of value that is the consummation of value so for example when you take knowledge that is given to you and you take it to become a better person that is a form of payment right so for example when your parents invest in you one of the best ways you can you can pay them back is to become a better person in the society who can give back so sometimes you may not necessarily give them money back but you become a better person or at least learn to show gratitude for those things that you receive free now that is a people skill and a lot of people lose business deals because of common issues like gratitude they lose relationship because of things like this right so when i talk when we get into people management i will talk about this some of these little little foxes these little little things that we do on a daily basis that makes us lose relationship right so we'll get to this so let's see oh i have 10 minutes to go all right Okay, so let, let's so in building enterprises, let's talk about you know a particular law of the market, right? So what is a market? You know, you hear market, market is market that physical place you go to. Not necessarily, a market is a group of people who are interested in that product or that service that you have to offer, right? So listen, listen to this. If you have a service. Or a product to offer and there are no people to that want or need them you don't have a market a market is a group of people who are interested in your product or your service or the value you have to offer and the truth so, so the law is this these people don't care how smart you are if you are going to be an intelligent business leader you need to know this that people don't care how smart you are what do they care about they want to know if that thing you are offering, right, is what they are looking for. They don't care how smart you are. The question they're asking is, this thing that you are offering, do I need it? Do I need this? Okay, so I had a conversation with someone when, you know, we were preparing to, you know, uh, host the Young Founders Masterclass before I canceled it. You know, so I was talking to someone and she said that, that this that she realized that this particular training will be good for her but it is not an immediate need do you see that now she she recognized that it was valuable but it wasn't an immediate need now let me say this. it is possible i'm not saying that's the case it's possible that maybe she was going through a certain phase in her life and i'm going to talk about it when i talk about the theory of motivation right she might be going through a particular phase in her life that she didn't have the interest at the time, you know, to enter into a learning program. For example, if someone is hungry, anything you are saying about learning, they don't want to hear about it. So there are core human drives that, you know, that facilitate human actions. And I'm going to talk about it so that you will know how to build businesses around it. Because at the end of the day, people will go for things they desire. People will go for the things they want. People will go for the things they need. So intelligent businesses build their business, their product and their services around what people already want or need. If you, if you, meet, if you meet most business mentors, they will tell you, don't build a business based on your passion. Nobody cares about your passion. Except your passion is meeting a particular need they already want. But if you want to make money, listen to what the market is saying. What are they saying? What do people need? What do they already want? What are they already looking for? If you can find that thing and build the business around it, then you're, 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 you've set up yourself for maybe a viable business enterprise, right? 
So the, the law of the market is this is that the market is cold, hard, and unforgiving. They don't care about how smart you are. They only care your the product or the service that you're offering doesn't meet any need I already have. If it doesn't, they will leave you and move on, right? Now your business or that that business enterprise that you are planning to start or that you've already started is limited to the size and the quality of people it attempts to serve in the, like i said the market is a group of people who are already interested so your business is limited to your market the people who already want what you have right so your market size is based on people who already want it right so and your revenue really is dependent on people who are who actually want what you offer and sometimes and most times and really sometimes not well it's also what also affects your revenue is you know those people those companies or those individuals who are competing with you who are offering the same thing that you know you're offering we'll get into all those things later but i'm just trying to lay the foundation here and i'm moving so fast right so like i said the market is cold hard unforgiving if you don't have a large group of people who already want what you have to offer your chances of building a successful business is very slim people don't care how smart you are the question they're asking is this thing you are selling do i need it if they don't they move right so the best approach you have in building a business is to focus on making things people already want if no one wants it it will waste and that is the truth right so that is why we do something like market research so market research is like look before you leap who what do they want and what can I... So, based on what they want, do I have the skills or the partnership to build a business around what they want, right? So, now, these are pointers to know what people are already looking for. Now, this is a broad category, right? And I'm rushing, I'm rushing. This is a broad category. We consider it under core human drives. And the, the truth is because there are certain basic needs people have that determine what they are looking for. And if you understand what those basic needs are, you can build businesses around them. And if you build businesses around those things, you will always have a business to sell. Now, you, you may not start talking about competition because a lot of people will be doing that same business. And then you now start to talk about marketing strategy, how to now gain more market share. That, that one is a little bit more technical discussion for another time, but we're just trying to lay the foundation here. So what are the pointers to know what people are looking for? So let's consider it under core human drives. Is this good so far? Let me know. Now, this is a little bit generalized, right? So... What a market research will do for you is that it will narrow down the most prevalent needs in that particular area or that particular season. For example, the popular example we give is during rainy season, people want umbrellas and things like that, right? So what, what will happen is that a market research will help you narrow down, you know, what people need in a particular area or in a particular season, right? So, but the major generalized pointers of core human drives or pointers to know what people are already looking for are the following. So, but before that, before that, I want you to take note of the following. That number one, understanding human needs is very important for any business enterprise. If you are going to succeed, you must understand human needs. And if you want to build a successful business, you need to have a basic understanding of what people want. Why? Because people's wants and needs motivate them to carry out actions. And like I said, this is usually taught under the theories of motivation. I don't have time, right? But 
we'll consider it some other time, right? So the most popular theory of motivation is, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know. So let me summarize it. It simply states that, or it simply, what it's simply saying is that if somebody does not have enough food to eat, the person will not be bothered about how many people like them or not, right? Or whether they are growing mentally or physically, they don't care as long as they don't have food to eat. But, you know, some concerns that people have or some needs that people have are unlocked after some other needs have been met. That's how people behave. When people have a need, if that need has not been met, they won't be thinking about the next thing. And the basic is food. If people are hungry, every other thing you are saying does not make sense, right? So, basically, I'm going to skip a lot of things. So, basically, when people have what they need to survive, they can now move on to other complex matters of, you know, what's my purpose, you know, how can I improve myself until they can eat food, drink water, have somewhere to lay their head. They won't be thinking about how to grow, how to become a better person, no. So that's how people behave fundamentally, right? This is why we serve item seven in training programs because once hunger sets in, all that you are saying is French, you know, to an English people, right? So when once you skip a particular time frame and people get hungry, every other thing you are saying is gibberish, right? Until you can meet that basic need, right? So so it's really all about the priority of human desires, knowing it can help you build a business around people's major needs right so now let's look at let's look at a few stuffs here as we round off oh i have not even started jesus christ okay so um i, I want is, is it possible for me to take another 10 20 minutes or maybe we can just call it a day <laughs> because i've not even gone half but all right let's uh, see so let me rush this, right? So these are the core human needs. These are the core human needs that people have or the core human drives that can help you understand human needs and what people are already looking for, right? So the, the, the first one is the drive to acquire, right? People desire to obtain and collect physical objects, right? Including immaterial qualities such as status, power, and influence, right? So, when you when businesses are built around people's drive to acquire, right? You know, people so people patronize those businesses you know, on a daily basis. For example, the kind of businesses that are built around people's drive to acquire, whether is material objects or immaterial objects such as status or power and influence, are you know investment firms. You know, retail retail companies, political consulting companies, and you know those companies that you know promise to make you wealthy, famous, influential, or powerful connect to this fundamental human drive to acquire. So the the idea is this: once you figure out a fundamental human drive and find out how you can build a business around it, you know you have a market. Another drive that human beings have on which you can build the business is the drive to bond. People desire to feel loved. They desire to feel valued. They desire to form relationships with other peoples. And businesses like restaurants, conferences, dating services like Tinder exploit this basic human drive. 
and that's why people keep patronizing them in spite of you know the case of the tinder swindler for example who swindled people on tinder people still go back to tinder because it's a basic human drive people can't help it so as an as an entrepreneur or as a, bus- a wise business person you you do well to understand how human beings behave and think to see how you can build businesses around it right the another drive human beings have is the drive to learn we, we, we desire to satisfy our curiosity, right? So businesses that are built on, you know, the drive to learn, including academic programs, mentorship programs, book publishing, training workshop, and things like that, right? Companies that promise to make us more knowledgeable or competent connects to this human need and, you know, the mixes and things like that. So another drive we have is the, is the drive to defend or the need to feel safe. Right, so we have the desire to protect ourselves, our loved ones, and our properties. So businesses that are built around this drive include businesses like you know security, you know you know companies, home alarm systems, insurance products, martial art trainings, legal services. You know these companies promise to protect us, keep us safe from problems, and prevent bad things from happening. Right, so businesses that are built around this drive also exploits this human drive to make profit, right? So another one is the desire to feel. People want new emotional experiences, right? So businesses like restaurants too, you know, movies, games, concerts, sporting events and things like that, you know, you know, they offer to give us pleasure. So what they do is they exploit that fundamental human drive to feel, you know, and that's why the drug business is really booming because people want, you know, they want, they want the feel of power. They want to feel powerful. They want to feel uninhibited, free. They want to have new emotional experiences, right? So you figure out that most businesses that connect to a basic human drive always make sales. The people run towards those businesses, right? Great. So, are we still following? Are we still here? I've I've asked two questions now, and there were, there, were, there was no response, right? So, whenever you know a group of people have a need that is not met, a market is formed, right? A market is formed. So, the idea here is, see, whenever you are you know creating your business plan. Find a way to connect it with something people fundamentally need. And if you can do that, then you will have a viable business because it's really about what people want. So it's, it really starts with demand. It really starts with demand at the, at, at the end of the day. It doesn't start with supply. It starts with demand. What are the people demanding, right? So and at the end of the day, what you see here is a value. It's about value creation. It's about what people want. It's about what makes them better right so so the more you know your business offerings connect to a drive that the people have you know and it promises to meet a need they already have right the more attractive your business is the more attractive your offer is right the more attractive your person is right so it it, it is based on this that i teach you know the concept of marital economics it is based on this that i teach the concept of marital economies not really people really marry for value exchange nobody will marry you if they don't think you are valuable or if they don't feel that you have a promise of delivering value in the near future that is the truth now people may uh, ignore it but that or argue it but that's the talk for another day right so 
don't let all these sweet words deceive you. It's really about value. Value is being considered. That, that lady is considering what value you are going to deliver to her now or in the future. That man is looking for what value you deliver to him now or in the future. So it's really about marriage. And I explain this in, in my book, Marriage is Bullshit, really. A little bit I explain. So it's really about value, right? So if you understand this, you will not really be offended about you know, what people do. You know that people are really looking for, for value. I wanted to talk a little bit about status seeking, but I won't have time, you know, to talk about it, right? And see, one of the things that people fear, <coughs> if I, let me even say this, right? One of the things that people fear is death. One of the things that people fear is death. So any business that promises to promote, <laughs> that to make people younger or promote their life, will, will sell. And you see, you see, this is also the reason why people hate heartbreaks or people fear heartbreaks. The reason why people fear abandonment. The reason why people fear infidelity. All those heartbreaks, abandonment, infidelity are foreshadows of death. They taste like death. And that's why people fear it. It doesn't really taste good and people avoid it, right? So you'll be surprised how many people will buy a 10K ticket to learn how to know when a man is cheating. Or how to avoid a heartbreak. So you see that if I host, for example, if I host a teaching session, I think how to know when a man is cheating. You'll be surprised at the number of people that are willing to pay 10k or 50k just to attend that. Why? Because people are afraid of heartbreaks. They are, they are afraid of deception. And so when people are afraid of something, they are willing to buy the products or the services that seeks to answer that question. Or seeks to help them avoid that particular thing. People would rather buy the ticket of how to know how your husband is cheating than to buy a ticket that says how to become a better person. That's because people are more motivated by their, their fear of pain than their desire for pleasure. Right? So if you know this as a business person, you know how to design your offer you know, to attract people. Right? So for example, if I, if I change my theme... Instead of saying something like enterprise substructure, right? I changed my theme or my topic to how to compel people to always buy from you. We will have more traffic. Why is that? You know, so it's because of how, how you craft, how you present your offer or your service or your product to connect to what people want. So copywriters... Or, you know, marketing strategies, they have learned how to exploit these human drives to, to, to create traffic. So, you see, so you are going through, you are surfing through the net and you see how to, how to sell out your products in 30 days. Now, that thing is connecting to a fundamental human need you have. And because of that topic, because of that thing, you will rush to want to buy it and want to know more about it. So, it's about those Connecting to human drives that trigger your action, that trigger emotional responses. These are deeper topics, but I'm trying to just, you know, touch on, on the surface because we don't have time, right? So there's a reason why I don't really use this sometimes because I don't want to promise what I can't deliver, right? So I, 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 I peg it within, you know, what I know I can deliver. But really, if you want to do marketing, you must learn all these things, you know. For example, you rephrase, you know, maybe a topic like, you know, why your product is not selling and how to double your sales in 30 days, right? It triggers something in people. Now, if you say one month, it will make the person, 
feel as if it's far, but if you say 30 days, so those understanding of what keywords does to people's emotions is part of the deal because we see that there are certain keywords that are affect emotional responses more than the other. All this is part of it, right? And the at the, at the base of it is understanding how people behave, understanding how people think, and you know, knowing how to exploit it, you know, to build your business or to make sales and things like that, right? So people like magical things. And that is why people people sometimes use dark psychology sometimes to you know create sales. You know, sometimes you buy something because you know you are influenced. That's why sometimes when I teach, I'll say the truth is marketing sometimes is witchcraft because you are being influenced, you know, emotionally to make you know purchase decisions, right? So sometimes people make bad, you know, purchase decisions as a result of this, you know, you know, being 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 hit everywhere by certain emotional triggers, you know, words that trigger their emotions. And people who do this know the basic human drives. That is why, you know, they, they carefully use those keywords to create sales strategies, you know, to get you to buy some of those things. So sometimes they gas you up, so you buy what you you, you don't really need, you know, because you are, you are desiring something. And, you know, one of the companies that do this is Apple. Apple uses people's desire for status. You know, so they integrate, you know, that people's love for status, you know, to create their marketing strategy and all that. So when you hear Apple, you're thinking luxury. The truth is an Android phone and an Apple phone does not feel the same. And that is because they've intelligently weaved human needs, those core human drives into their design, into their philosophy, into their marketing strategy. That is how an intelligent company works or an intelligent individual works, right? So... Not knowing how human beings behave will not be a benefit to you, right? So you have to be a keen student of human behavior to understand how people respond to value and so that you now create a marketing strategy around your product. Now, so that's why a lot of people need consultants because sometimes you may not do it yourself. You need someone with experience and, you know, the ability to, you know, use all these things and create something worthwhile for you, you know, to sell and things like that, right? So when you are preparing your offer, for example, you intelligently, you know, Put these fundamental things into your offer so that those words will trigger people to buy from you. So that is also, you know, a component or a substructure of an enterprise. Knowing how people behave, knowing how value works and things like that, right? So it becomes more effective when you target it, you know, to particular audiences and all that. Because different audiences have different things that they need at a particular time. So that is what research will do for you, right? It will help you narrow down what people need in different areas at different times. So you now prepare your marketing campaign to target them each with different keywords, different strategies, different channels and things like this. That's, that's a broader topic, all the same, right? So I don't have the time to do that. So let me quickly, let me quickly show you 10 ways to evaluate the market. Okay, so because of time, I'll just cut it down to five. How to evaluate the market. See, because before you even say you want to launch a business, you have to do a market research. So I'll show you how to do a quick market research. So you can create a survey and make it on a scale of 1 to 10 and give people to answer. So you craft questions around these broad areas. There are 10, but I'll focus on 5. Number 1, are we following so far? Or maybe, should I call it a day now? I think we are tired. Should I, should I, should I wrap this up or... Should I continue? I've not even... Jesus. We can't finish this today. We can't finish this today. We can't. Okay, so let, let me pause for five minutes and ask a question. 
So so far, so far, are there any questions? Should I continue? Only one person is responding. Should I continue? Should I take questions? Because I will need about another 30 to 45 minutes to finish what I have today. And I don't know if I should continue this. Should I continue? Should I continue? Should I continue? I'm waiting for a response. Should I continue? I'm waiting or should I? Okay. Okay. So just grant me another 30 minutes. Let me wrap this up. Right now. Mm -hmm. I may not cover it in details, but I'll just touch on it. And then if you have questions, we can engage later. Right? So 10 ways to evaluate a market, how to do marketing research. I'll just cut it down to five. Right? Number one, you evaluate a market based on urgency. So you, so you are going to create a questionnaire and put it on a scale of 1 to 10 so that you can rate it based on these broad headings. Number one, urgency. How badly do people want that thing now? Do people want it now or do they need it later? So you, you would create a question and ask on a scale of 1 to 10, how badly do you want this? Right? So for example... See, this is the philosophy that, you know, most new movies use to sell out tickets, right? So, you see that, you know, they, they'll start dropping trailers one, one year before, uh, um, six months before to create urgency, to create hype, right? So, they create so much hype and when the movie drops, because of the urgency, people rush and the movies are sold out. Right, so they create hype and suspense around it, and then it creates urgency in people. So when you find out the urgency, so how urgent, how urgent do people need it? How urgent do they need? It? So you evaluate a market based on urgency, that product or that service that you want to offer. How urgent is it? Do people need it now? Do they need it after one month? Let me give an example. If you decide to be selling sanitary pads, for example, people, ladies need it every month. So you know that if you start a sanitary pad line, for example, there's urgency. But the urgency is, you know, spaced, I think, two weeks, every two weeks or every, well, once every month, right? Once every month, there's urgency for you once every month. So you evaluate the market based on its urgency. <laughs> Number two, you evaluate a market based on its based on the market size how many people are actually buying things like that that business you want that product you want to sell or that service you want to offer how many people are already buying something like it right so for example if if i create a course on how to weave a basket there may not be a lot of people who want to learn how to weave a basket but if I create a course on how to sell out the product in 30 days, a lot of people need it. So how many people need it? So you evaluate your market by how many people need this thing? How many people need it? Or how many people are actively looking for it, right? Another way you evaluate a market is by the pricing potential. What does pricing potential mean? What is the highest price a typical person can pay for that product or for that solution? 
how do you do that you benchmark other people that are providing the same service for example you build websites how do you know the pricing potential of the website of webs of building websites you search for the best in the game and check what they are charging that is the pricing potential so that means that if the best in the game charges 1 million naira to design a website that means that that your business has the potential of raking in minimum 1 million naira every month if you get one client every month so you look at the pricing potential to look to look at how attractive that particular business or that solution is for example i am in the training business my company does corporate trainings executive coaching strategy advisory right i know that right this is just being moderate that I can charge as as much as ten thousand dollars per person per course. Now, but have I gotten to the place where I can charge ten thousand dollars per person per course? No. Now, the people who charge it are, have become institutions. The institutions that charge now, as a person, I can charge one thousand dollars per person per course. Right, so I've seen the pricing potential of this. So what I'll do is I'll begin to rearrange my systems or increase my value so that I can get to a place where I can charge 10000 per person per course. That's what pricing potential means. So you look at what the best in the game is charging and then you begin to you know, judge the attractiveness of that particular business. Another way you evaluate you know, that, the market or the business is what is the cost of customer acquisition? What does this mean? How easy is it to acquire new customers? That means how much will you spend to generate one sale in money and effort? Do you need to do ads? How, how much effort do you need to apply in talking to people about it? Do you, are there certain things you need to pay for in order to acquire a customer? The easier it is to acquire a customer, the easier it is to do that business, right? So if the cost for acquiring a customer is high, then you might want to reevaluate your strategy. So you also need to check what is the cost of customer acquisition. How easy is it to acquire customers for this particular product or service, right? Another thing you need to look at is what is the cost of value delivery? So you need to do a research for this. So how much does it cost to create and deliver the value offered in terms of money and effort? right so that means that you now look at okay so what will it cost you to create that product do you need to pay for some tools for example if you are if you are a web a designer you need to pay for canva for photoshop for things like that how do you quantify your efforts and i found out in my research that many people don't know how to price their products it's a skill that most people have and it's a very simple skill and i can teach it to you but this particular one i'm going to charge you for it so if if you a lot of people don't know how to price their product and it's a very simple math so for example if i want to teach somebody how to how to price i can charge them 100k because it's a one a one a one-off teaching and there are tools that i can give them on how to price their product because that's one major problem people have how to price their product because sometimes you can lose clients not knowing how to price your product rightly right so but if, if i want to if i want to do do jara for you i'll teach it to you for free or i'll i'll charge you at a discount but that's uh, another day if i'm so benevolent i'll decide to teach it one month how to how to price your product right so 
all right so this, this there are 10 ways but maybe on the 19th i'll, I'll you know talk about the five other ways let me quickly talk about you know the benefits of competition why a competitive industry is good you know a lot of people when they want to start a business you know when they see that there's so much competition in this business they don't want to get into it but let me let me show you one of the benefits of being in a, a highly competitive industry number one you see no business idea is really original no matter what it is that you want to do, somebody's already doing it. Now, you might have a new way of doing it, but the business idea is not original, right? Number two, and one of the major problems that you would face as a business person is, you know, acquiring data to, um, to research that, the viability of that particular business, right? So, but for a competitive industry, you already have data available, right? So the way it is done, you know, the way okay for example you have that business idea it's not original so you see a lot of people doing the same thing right you can you can innovate the way you can do that business better but somebody's already doing it right so that means that someone is already doing what you want to do this implies that there will be competition and it's not so bad right so a competitive industry shows you how attractive that industry is for example food business is competitive why? Everybody needs to eat on a daily basis. You'd be surprised how much this mama put people make on a daily basis. You would think it's a dirty business, but I tell you, they make a lot of money. And, you know, the mistake most, we, most, peop, most people have, the, the mindset most people have, especially some young people that I've encountered, they want to make it big. They don't want, they don't, they don't want, they don't want money to come in in trickles. Let me tell you the truth. Wealth comes in in trickles. If you think that that person who is selling bones on the side or that person who is frying a car on the side is, is low level, you don't understand what wealth is. You'd be surprised that those people build houses from selling a car. Why? Because wealth enters in trickles and if you have a good management skills, you can build anything from any business. It's not about how dirty the business is or how, in quotes, how devaluing that business is. Most people look at businesses that will make them look grand, make them look, you know, top-notch. For example, you want to do a training service because it makes you look... No, it doesn't work that way. You look at what people pay for on a daily basis. So most of those people, they have daily income that you don't even have. I'm going to give you an example as we go. It, it was a business idea I thought of when I was preparing for this. I was like, this may look stupid it may look dirty but you will make money out of it do you understand right so so one of the reasons why you look at a competitive industry is you know it helps you eliminate the question of whether people there are people who already want that product in a competitive industry you already know that people want it that's why this you know um industry is competitive so it helps you solve the problem of you know do people want this product, right? It shows you that there are people who are willing to pay for that particular product or service. For example, hey, <laughs> God. For example, you see, for those of you who, who live in Lagos, you know how stressful Lagos is. And you know how, this, this is very funny, you know how stressed people are on a Monday morning. You know, people go to work, they are stressed. Why do I have to go to work on Monday morning? This may sound funny. It may not work in Nigeria, but it can work in other places. Do you know that in some countries, there is something known as cuddling services? If you need cuddles, you pay per half hour and they cuddle you 
in a non-sexual way. Sorry, this is not a church service. This is a business seminar, right? So, it's a business idea. People are stressed in Lagos. So, for example, if I decide to start a cuddling business, for example, as much as it is risky in Nigeria, all you have to do is a, all, all I have to do is a market research, and you will be shocked what a ten to fifteen minutes non-sexual cuddle would do to improve work performance. All I need to do is to do my research and connect the numbers and go to most companies and tell them that see i have cuddling service every monday morning when your employee is coming everybody will book their time 10 to 15 minutes each non-sexual cuddle in and you know do all those things and you'll be surprised but you know the problem in nigeria is that in my rocks of marriages or maybe you can decide you know what this is not for married people it's just for people who are not married who are stressed so you come in on monday morning and everybody books their time you call them and they are fine in fact if you decide to do it as a service standalone anonymous you open an account anonymous if you need cuddles you make sure that although there is risk because of kidnapping and the things like this but i was just thinking about it and i was laughing and the truth is in certain climbs it will sell very fast and it's selling in some countries already there are some things you may consider not you know, a viable business, but because of the peculiarity of the environment, people need those things, and it will sell. Although, if you bring it in Nigeria here, marriages will have problems. They will, the man will tell his wife, you must resign from that office. What nonsense is that? And the wife will tell his husband, you dare not, you dare not cuddle any, any single lady in that, you know, but on a lighter note, right? So, but the point is that you'll be funny the things that can sell as businesses as long as, right? You are meeting a particular need, right? So as long as there are, there are customers who are willing to pay, it's, it's um, I mean, it's a competitive business. And so you have your data to analyze to see, you know, if that company is valuable, right? So and things like that, right? So, so that's on a lighter note, right? So it will save you, you know, time for market research because there is already data available for you to do your market research to see if that business is viable, right? And you can acquire data about your competitors, you know, and things like that, right? So that is why a competitive industry is also good. Now, it will take you applying what we call a blue ocean strategy, you know, to, to break out of the red ocean of too, too much competition, you know, and become a unicorn or become a market leader in that particular area. So that, that is, that is a, much, a much more technical discussion. It's called blue ocean strategy, how you can become a unicorn or a market leader in a very competitive, you know, market and things like that. And it borders around innovation, innovating your processes, your services, your products and things like that, right? So that's a talk for another right so let's uh, move on so two major things you should be aware of as as i plan to round up it's time is fast spent right number one two two major rules or laws you must know when starting a business or running a business don't start a business for the money alone Mm -mm. don't start business money is a good motivation but it shouldn't be your only motivation don't start a business or an enterprise for a money for money alone it applies to marriage too don't enter a marriage because of money <laughs> let me let me let me not enter that area it's only mercenaries that behave like that you know all those people that they have no loyalty to anything all they want is give me money i kill for you and i take my money and go no because the reason why you need to you don't need to do that is 
starting a business requires a lot more effort than you expect. And if you make money your only reason, you would, you would get tired immediately. Right? So don't just make profit or, or money your only reason for getting to a business. Have some other higher purpose for which you are doing that business. So that when the profit is not even coming in, you can have something that keeps you. Let me tell you, it is not even expected that a business make profit in its first two years. In fact, if you make profit in your first two years, you are doing well. But it is not expected. Right? So have another reason other than money. If you, because if you make money your God, it will plague you like the devil. It was Henry Fielding that said this. Don't make money your only motive. If you make your only motive, that business will deal with you. And I'm telling you from experience, right? Have, have a higher purpose other than money. Money is good, but it's a justification. But have something else that motivates you to do that business other than money. Right? Good. As long as it's a business. Including a career too. Let's not just be about money. Let it be about something else plus the money, right? And another law, that first one is called the mercenary rule, right? Another rule is this, right? An exciting idea is not necessarily a precursor to a solid business. That your idea is exciting does not mean it to be a solid business, right? It's good to be optimistic, but you must have your data and your facts right. You're excited, yes, but you need to get the facts right. Be sure that that business is viable before you venture into it, right? That is exciting does not mean it to be a good business. Sometimes the businesses that make money are the boring ones, the ones that have boring routines. And if you are the type who is usually stimulated by new ideas, you may not have the discipline to stay and build one. If you are the one that is always idea, idea, it's better you go and work for a company and work for their innovation team or strategy team. But if people who build lasting businesses are those who don't mind boring routines that is what makes businesses solid not excitement here and there excitement will burn you out in fact as a person if you're always you know if you're always bent on being stimulated you are going to you're going to damage your body by an over flooding of chemicals in your bloodstream Right, so even as a human being, self, right, too much excitement, all the stimulation, stimulation is not so good. So, even if that idea is exciting, just sit down and do your research and make sure that it is good. So, it is nice to show how brilliant your idea is, but it is better to justify why that business should stop. Right, I would have gone into 12 forms of value, but there is no time anymore, and I'll round up with two. Two things, I'll talk about economic values, how people judge a valuable thing, and I'll talk about five ways or five things you can do to start building your enterprise. So let's run. In 10 minutes, 15 minutes, let's see how far we can go, right? So this is how people judge valuable things, right? So one thing you need to know about the business is if your business is successful, it's, because, it's either because people love that business or people need it. You can apply it to yourself as a person. If people love, if you are successful as a person, it's either because people need you or people love you. It's the same application. Remember what I said about tactical learning, right? Okay. So, yes. So, that, that's what makes you valuable, right? In fact, as a matter of fact, let me quickly say this, you know, because I'm talking about how people judge valuable things or how people make economic decisions, right? You see, the way you make an economic decision is the way you make marital decisions. See, the way, the way you buy one thing is the way you buy every other thing. 
the way you buy things is the way you choose your life partner now i i cannot to say this because this will help somebody if you don't know how to make economic decisions with emotional intelligence you will make the wrong marital decision you make the wrong business decisions how you do one thing is how you do other things if you're an impulsive buyer you make an impulsive relationship decision and it will be seen in the number of breakfasts they've served you in your death in your your life on earth right so how you make economic decisions is how you make personal decisions right your buying the way you buy things is at the mercy of your emotional intelligence i usually tell people this right how you spend money shows how emotionally intelligent you are because your money does not respond to your head it responds to your emotions you buy emotionally so if you don't have emotional stability you do a lot of impulse buying and if if you run your business like that you're going to run it to the ground that is why people who know they don't have emotional intelligence they get emotion level-headed chief operating officers and chief financial officers to regulate them because sometimes if you are not emotionally balanced you're going to make stupid business decisions and you'll be out of business and let me tell you people don't care how smart you are how fine your face is if you don't know how to make the right business decisions your own company may suck you at the end of the day i mean if it's a limited liability company or where such things can happen right so that is why i advocate emotional intelligence social in all the intelligences you can acquire focus on getting emotional intelligence right so because sometimes people buy things when they are depressed if you know you're that kind of person have an accountability partner who makes sure that anytime you're having those issues you don't spend anything in fact i advise you get a finance coach who will put you under accountability so that you learn how to save money not everybody has that skill it can be learned you can pay money to learn it but if you cannot pay money to learn it or if you feel you cannot learn it pay someone to help you or if you can psych somebody to do it for you free do but our advice is better you pay for it so that you know the value of it right so your economic decisions affect every other of your decisions so now let me show you how people judge things and that is also how you judge things as a person People will buy things based on their answers to these following questions. Now, so before somebody buys something, they subconsciously or consciously check if what they are buying is worth more than what they are paying. That's how human beings behave. So for somebody to bring out 100 naira to buy something, in their mind, that thing they are buying will give them more value than the money they are paying. People are happy when they believe that they've struck a great bargain. In other words, people are happy when they believe that they've cheated you. That means that if I bring a hundred naira from my pocket and buy something, in my mind, that thing I'm buying is worth more than the hundred naira I'm giving. So if you make people believe that what they are getting is more, is more valuable than what they are paying, you stand a better chance closing that sale. And most marketing strategists know this. So what they do is they hype their product and of course, they make sure that that product is functional. They hype the product and then make the people believe that they are charging them less for it. And then they attach it to, you know, we are a nice company. We care about you. And so we are, we are giving you this discount, right? This is the secret behind discounts and Black Friday sales. They are trying to make you believe that, you know, the value you are getting 
is more than the money you are paying. But the truth is they still make profit from turnover or from volume of sales. Do you understand? No business that gives you discounts really does not make profit. Except in most cases when they are trying to just sell off a particular product that has stayed for a long time. But most times it's based on hype. And just to make you believe that the money you are spending is less than what the value you are getting. It's, it's make-believe. Right? So no business is really benevolent. If not, they will go bankrupt. Right? It's really about make-believe what they make people believe. That's why I usually say that marketing is witchcraft. It's just, it's just about deception, right? A lot of people even go as far as using dark psychology to do marketing and things like that. In fact, some actually go to visit some strange gods just to sell their product, right? So let me, let me, let me quickly run through this. So how do people judge value or how do people decide what they will buy? There are nine questions they ask subconsciously. They're trying to make that decision. Right? Uh-huh. Okay, someone said, reminds me of how our uncles used to scam us back in the days by collecting a more valuable note from us and replacing with two lesser notes. Yes. In fact, it's as if every uncle did it because my uncles did it to me too. And in fact, I need to start doing it to my nieces and nephews. What's this? Okay. Thank you for reminding me this. Yes. It's about make-believe. They'll make you believe that the one that you are buying is more valuable than what you are giving to them. That's what marketing does to you, really. Although, but very good companies make sure that their products and their services are functional so that when you even pay for it, you are satisfied with it. Do you understand? So, these are nine questions that people will ask before they buy things from you. And so, know how to use this, you know, to design your product. Number one, people ask, how well does this product work? How well does it work? People look at how efficacious is this product or service? How well does it work? That's how they judge value. Number two, how quickly does it work? People like speed. Does it work well? Is it fast? Right? How quickly does it work? Number three question that people ask is, can I depend on it to do what I want it to do? That's reliability. Does it work well? Does it work fast? Is it reliable? Right? The fourth one is, how much effort does it require? Is it easy to use? Is it easy to... That's why you see, you know, the people keep bringing out more project management softwares and they're trying to make it more simple and more simple and more simple and things like that because people make decisions based on how easy it is to use, right? How fast it is, how reliable it is, how efficacious it is. Like, they're scoring it in their heads. Another question they ask is, how many things does it do? Like, how flexible is it? So, now you have a phone for... You have a phone basically for phone calls but you can use it to listen to video watch videos listen listen to audios take pictures you see so how flexible is that particular product or that service right another question they ask is how does this affect the way others perceive me that status that's that's why a lot of people buy apple products because of how it makes other people perceive them these are questions people ask you might say, but it's not right. But that's how people make decisions. Deal with it and know how to integrate it into your business offerings, right? Another question people ask is, how attractive is it? People like uh, attractive things. People like beautiful things. People like aesthetically pleasing things. That's why a lot of good companies put a lot of work into their design. Look at Apple. When you hold it in your hand, it just feels, it's just nice to look at. Even if you don't have any useful thing to do on your phone, just holding it, you know, it's, it's nice, right? Apart from the status it confers on you. That's why most girlfriends will start bullying their boyfriends that they, they can't be using Android. May the Lord have mercy on all of you. If you cannot buy it by yourself or tell your father to buy it, stop disturbing my brothers. 
<laughs> that's on a light on the right so people ask how attractive or aesthetically pleasing is this particular product right and another question people ask is how does it make me feel how do i feel using this product how do i feel using this service right people ask that question and then the last question that people ask is how much do i have to give up to get this that's cost so this is how people make decisions is it efficacious does it work well is it fast is it reliable is it easy to use is it flexible can i do other things with it does it give me good status does it make me look rich is it appealing visually does it make me feel good and is it is it cost effective right so these are how people make you know decisions and all that so take all these things that you've learned and begin to integrate it and all that and that's why you need to sit back listen to this again over and over again until you get what you need and i hope that most of you are writing down too so finally to start building your enterprise or if you're already building one and you've not done these things you can do it number one you need to have a clear purpose what why do you want to start that business are you doing it for money freedom creativity or meeting a need be very clear about it right and to gain more clarity Ask yourself, what skills do you have, especially economically viable skills? Do you have economically viable skills, right? What industries do you know about, right? What, you know, industries are you very familiar about, right? What product or do you want to offer a product or a service? You make that decision and it's best you make this decision on paper. Don't answer it on your head. Make it on paper. Everything you do about the business, do it on paper if you want it to be effective, right? Another question you can ask yourself before you start a business is, what do you like doing? Another question is, how much capital do you have to risk? I said, how much capital do you have to risk? Not how much capital do you have. You might have 1 million naira, but the, 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 the portion of the 1 million naira you can risk is just 100,000. That is your capital that you can risk, right? You ask yourself that question. And then you ask yourself, do you want to do this full-time or you want to make it part-time? You don't want to pursue a career while doing this. You 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 make the the decision. You do your analysis and make the decision. If you need the help of a consultant or an advisor, seek the help of an advisor, right? And then you, you have the, get an idea and refine it through market research before you venture out into it, right? Do your due diligence. And then another thing you need to take note of: build on what you know before you venture into the unknown. So for example, if you're a graphic designer and you want to become an animator, start with graphic design. Build a business based on graphic design. And then as you are building, you are learning, you are topping up your skills and then you can venture into the unknown, right? And then write a business plan for clarity and for long-term growth purposes. Always have a business document that you look at over time to give you direction, right? And another thing you need to do is to master the following areas. Finance, administration sales marketing and operations basically the five fundamental parts of business if you cannot partner with people who know them if you are selfish and unwilling to collaborate with people it will cost you growth and profit on the long run right if you can't master them partner with people who know them and know that it will take time these are our fast food generation our email generation fast food we want everything immediately it will take time. Some of the best businesses take time. It will take time. It will take time.
don't be in a hurry it will take time that's one of the things i've learned to do to pace myself there are certain ideas i have i'm pacing myself i've given myself a long group and i'm building it on the side so know that it will take time don't get into too much pressure if you want to do it for fast money it's different but if you want something of legacy something that will last take your time do your due diligence right and also create strategic partnerships Businesses is about trust and relationships. If you are unwilling to share profit or benefits with people, you won't go far. I've seen this with a lot of people. I've tried to do the business with a lot of people who are so selfish with profit. They don't want to share profit, but they want your expertise. I mean, I, you can't do business with those people for long. I, I've had so many people come to me. They say they need help starting a business. But I'm, you make them a proposition because they can't pay. And, you know, they're they are hoarding profit and things like that. You just leave people like that. You don't have time for things like that. So, so don't be that kind of person. Now, you decide the, 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 the percentage of profit you're willing to give. And for someone like me who wants to build based on legacy, I'm not so keen on those things and all that. So when you meet people who are so selfish, they're just holding on to everything, you can't do anything with them. But you know, they keep coming back to you, asking you for advice over and over again. And what I just do is I stop giving them advice or I stop, I just give them shabby advice. And they keep coming back. You know, when you give somebody something shabby, they'll keep coming back. For example, you go to one market and you buy one inferior shirt after one month you buy another shirt but when you pay for the service or when you share profit you the people that that you're partnering with know that you are committed to this and they can give you their best so when you are selfish unwilling to partner and to share profit people will not give you their best they just keep giving you shabby things and it will keep hurting your business right so it's good to be frugal and prudent but not selfish selfish people don't build anything serious they don't they don't if you don't know how to share profit to collaborate with people you know to to give them value for what you're asking even if the value is not monetary but you give them some sort of value do you understand right learn how to do that right so another thing you need to know is be a good manager or at least pay someone to help you if you can't pay them, give them a value or a service in return. I'm emphasizing this for most of you that have small startup or small businesses that you are building. I, some of you, if you can't pay someone to manage or advise you, offer them a service in return. I'm saying this over and over. Offer them a service in return for free so that you are exchanging some sort of value. There are people around you who have what you need, but they know that you are selfish and can't collaborate, so they withhold from you. And when you come for them, just keep it in the surface. But when they see that you are willing to share, you know, they open up for you and things like that, right? You will save more in the long run compared to how much you will pay an experienced person most companies most experienced companies know this they would rather get an experienced person who is expensive than get a shabby person who they will keep paying small small and it, it hurts the business right you will never estimate underestimate never underestimate the value of experience the value of expertise and the value of a good head and most importantly what me i as a person what i look out for when i want to strike up partnership with people is not their skill i'm not interested in creative people <laughs> i'm not that's the truth i'm not interested in creative people 
I'm interested in reliable people, people who you say do something and do people you can count on, people you can trust, people who are willing. I've realized that in building any enterprise, whether it's business, whether it's marriage, whether it's whatever you want to build, if the people you want to partner with are unwilling, don't waste your time. You want a relationship with a guy or a lady and they are dragging their foot. Move. Unwillingness will crash any enterprise you are trying to build. Don't be an unwilling person. Except you are unwilling towards things that will hurt you in the long run. But if you are trying to build a business, look for willing and reliable people. Do you know the truth? You can teach people creativity. You can teach people innovation. But you can't teach people willingness. Yes, you can't. At the end of the day, you yourself, you must be willing to make your own life count. You must be willing to partner with things that will help you. I started with talking about attitude. Your attitude towards life, your response towards life will determine your outcome. God is not the one trying to punish you. The devil is not the one out to get you. Your problem is your unwillingness to learn, your unwillingness to grow, your unwillingness to invest in yourself to become the person. Yesterday, I was, you know, meditating. I think I was doing house chores or something. I was medit- I was doing something, Sha. And I heard the word in my spirit. And I believe it was God that was talking to me because I was, I think I was contemplating on, on a subconscious level about, you know, life and things like this. And God said to me, he said, don't pursue it embody it and it will pursue you and it it struck me so strongly and i said yes this applies to both wealth both people everything in fact if you want to get something easily don't pursue it embody it and things will come running after you for example if you want wealth Stop pursuing it. Embody the principles of wealth. And wealth will be, will be looking for you everywhere you are. That's the secret. Stop pursuing it. Embody it. So if there is anything you want to see in your business, in your life, start to embody it. Embody it in your mind. Embody it in your emotions. Embody it in your words. Embody it in your disposition. Embody it in your conversation. You cannot keep sabotaging yourself and expect those things to come to you. For example, you can't expect to have a healthy life when all you do is talk about sickness. You are sickness. Talking about negative stuff. You are afraid of negative stuff. You are, you are talking up. You pray a prayer, for example, and you use your conversation and your disposition to spoil the whole thing. You can't want to build the business and not embody the values and the quality of a business person. That is why becoming is better than having. And that's why at the end of the day, when I teach leadership, I teach it as becoming. Leadership is a personal journey. It's a personal inward journey first before you start directing people. If you see all those people who like to control people who are manipulative, domineering, it is because they lack personal leadership. They are insufficient in themselves and they want to push people up and down just so that they can compensate for what they lack on the inside. Whatever you want to be, you must embody it. And those things will come running to you. 
if you embody willingness, if you embody prudence, if you embody modesty, you embody honesty, you always attract things like that. Even a thief wants an honest person as a business partner. People will always run towards values, value, value, things that make their lives a bit better. Even organized crime, people who run organized crime, they talk about honesty. People who steal from others, they talk about honesty and they try to embody it within their own clan. So if at the end of the day, you've listened to everything I've said and you're, you're unwilling to embody these things that I've said, it will not benefit you. That is why people attend seminars, pay all sort of money, and nothing comes out of it. And they begin to say that that coach is scam. If you've not read that article that I wrote, go and read it. The, the article that I wrote about your coach doesn't need you. You don't need that coach. They need you. What I was simply trying to explain is this. What will make you, what will make your relationship with your crew, what will make, sorry, what will give you value at the end of the day when you employ the service of a coach or a mentor is not how special they are. It is how willing you are because at the end of the day, the raw material that that coach will use in transforming you with the tools and the knowledge and experience they have is your willingness. If you are not willing, no matter how powerful that coach is, they can't make anything out of you. Even Jesus himself could not turn people to himself because they were unwilling. They did not believe in him. So at the end of the day, it's not the coach that makes the difference in your life. It's not the mentor. It's not the teacher. It's you. There is a popular saying, and that saying goes, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. So what is keeping you from learning is you. It is not your teacher. It is not your mentor. It is not your pastor. It is not your coach. It is nobody else but you. The day you become willing, all the resources you need will appear. How will you become willing? Start to embody these principles that I've taught. If you've not gotten anything, learn today that you can become a valuable person by executing honorable actions. If your actions add value to people around you, then you are beginning to build value. When you become a valuable person and you know how to treat people right, you have laid the foundation or you have laid the foundation or you have, you have, you have, um, you have set the right substructures or the right subcultures for your enterprise to bloom. On this note, I'm done. Right? So thank you guys for attending, for being patient. I took more than an hour 30 minutes right so if you have questions in the next 10 minutes i'm going to entertain your questions here online and then we'll continue it on the group so let me know if you have questions to ask if you need clarifications and the truth is so, you might have to go back to this audio and listen to it again right because i i think i really rushed what i was saying but this is a proper two-day or three-day course that i try to compress into you know few hours right so if you have questions please ask if you have things you want clarifications ask in the next 10 minutes i'll take the ones i can take online and then on the group if i if i have the strength today i will answer them if not tomorrow or maybe later in the day when I have refreshed myself, I'll answer some of these questions. Or you can buzz me personally with questions that you have, and I'll answer it. Right? So, I'm waiting the next 10 minutes. You have questions. 
if you don't have questions please drop your reviews on the group i would like to see your reviews i would like to be sure you learned something i would like to be sure it was valuable to you and that you benefited something and that maybe you're looking forward to the next one right so yeah so questions comments reviews drop it here or in the group drop your reviews on the group drop your questions here or in the group in the next five minutes i'll be out of here right so questions 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 drop your reviews on the group drop your questions on the group All right. In the absence of any questions, I will call it a night. Right? So I'll see you guys on the group. And I hope this was valuable to you. And it added some sort of stuff to what you already know. Right? All right. So thank you very much. See you on the group. Remember to drop your reviews on the group. I would appreciate that. Thank you very much. Have a beautiful night rest. Yeah.